Hello, my friends. My name is Madge, and this is the MadgeCast, where we gather together to talk about how to get through this thing called life under the Donald's regime. This week was another wild one, and I know I say that every week, but it's always true. We had immigration raids all over the country. We had Kellyanne making shit up and hawking Ivanka's wares on TV. We had the Donald discussing state secrets over uh, an open forum at dinner and never letting go of the Japanese prime minister's hand like he was Rose on that door at the end of Titanic. We had Elizabeth Warren being shut down in the most disgusting, sexist way on the floor of the Senate. But the upside is it gave us a great new rallying cry. Nevertheless, she persisted. So thanks, Mitch McConnell you filthy old hypocrite. Anyhow, last week I had a couple of experiences that got me thinking about care. Like, what do I really care about? What does our movement really care about? Um, Who am I dismissing? Who does the movement dismiss? And how can I take more and more care for people and for this movement, for the whole enchilada of life? So the first thing was that for the first time since the election, I spent a good chunk of time in Trump country, which was totally normal and kind of weird at the same time. And I found myself thinking about the concept of how much of the world do you care about? How big is your circle of care? And how does that impact how you show up? So um, the circle of care idea is one that I picked up I think from a Stephen Covey book a long time ago. I think maybe it was The Seven Habits of Successful People, where he wrote about the circle of care and the circle of influence. And these circles are sort of like a Venn diagram. Sometimes they overlap. Sometimes they're concentric, one inside the other. Um, And, you know... You can have tight circles of care, like around your family and friends, and then looser circles of care around, um, for instance, a political movement. So um, the circle of care, though, it differs from the circle of influence in that sometimes we care about really big stuff or small stuff that we don't have any direct influence over. So Covey is arguing in his book that it makes more sense to be really clear about what your circle of influence is and to focus your efforts there. And I think that makes a lot of sense. At the same time, I also think that for people who have various forms of privilege, our circle of influence is often bigger than we think it is. And our circle of care is, can be pretty small compared maybe to what it could be or should be. So um, most of the time, I think I find myself arguing for people to expand their circle of care because, um, you know, as long as you have a, a healthy center of caring for yourself, you can reach out and help other people quite a lot. And this is something that um, I sometimes have trouble with in discussions with conservatives, right? Because conservative literally means keep things the way they are. Do not expand that circle of care. And how dare you even expect me to expand that circle of care? Um, Because 
Uh, those people aren't like me. I don't know anything about them. They make bad decisions, whatever the reason is. And even recently, as we've seen, the, the conservative movement has been about actually shrinking that circle of care to go backwards in time to where no one was asking anyone to care about black people or women's rights or Muslims or disabled people or anything. So where, where your circle is drawn, normally it's around people who are like you, who share your same background and values and probably physical proximity to you too. But today, um, our ideas of social progress and social justice ask us to care about more people, people who look different, people from different cultures, people who worship a different God, people who worship no God, and people who face struggles that we ourselves may have no experience with and therefore can't identify with. And in my experience, conservatives seem to resist this process of pushing back the circle to include more people, while liberals are maybe a little less resistant to this, but we're still pretty resistant in a lot of ways. And I think it's pretty common amongst human beings. We care for people we can identify with. And unless we can somehow learn to identify with people who aren't like us, we're going to really only end up caring about people who are just like us. So to me, the goal of becoming a better human being is all about expanding my circle of care and using my circle of influence to make a difference. Ideally, we would all give at least a partial shit about everyone in the world, not to mention the world itself and the process of life and growth and evolution as well. But for whatever reason, we aren't there yet, um, except for maybe a few very, uh, very isolated examples of super evolved, super, super inclusive people. Most of us are still drawing our circles pretty small even when we say we want to draw them big. And I totally include myself on this. So this week, there were a couple of instances where I was challenged to look at where I was drawing my circle. Instead of just being mad at other people for where they're drawing theirs, like I usually am. <laughs> um, the first is that I read and reposted this article by Lovey Ajahi, um, about people asking, where's Hillary now? Bernie's fighting, why isn't she? Um, those people need to take a seat because that woman has earned some rest and Lovey is awesome and it was a hilarious article and I was like, yeah, that is totally right. But um, one of my friends, who is a woman of color, questioned me on that. And here was her thinking. She's like, look, I'm not saying Hillary is a terrible person, but dire shit is happening in the country right now. So why am I co-signing the idea that everyone needs to shut up and stop criticizing her and let her take some naps? There's families being torn apart and LGBT people being threatened. Um, there's a dam about to break in California and Trump is withholding federal aid out of spite. And police forces are being given even more power to brutalize black and brown bodies. So why shouldn't Hillary still be in the struggle? All that shit's still going on even though she lost. Uh, so even if she you know, needs to participate in a volunteer way and not an elected position and not get paid, why shouldn't she still be doing that? Does activist work need to be someone's paid job or else we won't do it? And if we take that position, 
are we playing into the Republican narrative about how all of us showing up for this resistance are paid protesters? And um, I have to say, when my friend laid this on me, I found myself feeling super defensive on behalf of Hillary because I identify with her. Out of any politician I have ever seen in my life, I identify the most with her. Um, we're both educated white ladies with big mouths and a decent amount of personal power that we use in the world, and we face repercussions for that. So um, she's definitely in my circle of care because I feel like I am just like her, and I identify with the pain that she's gone through and the beating she's taken, and I want her to have a chance to relax and enjoy herself. So there I was sitting in my defensiveness and my discomfort and feeling like I needed to argue my points over and over again against my friend and prove her wrong. And then uh, a little light bulb popped into my brain and I was like, hey, Madge, do you remember you just had a whole podcast about this, about intersectionality and um, listening to people who have a different perspective from you? And... Um, I was like, shit, I am doing it. I'm being that clueless judge who's more concerned about Brock Turner's success in life than the poor woman that he assaulted. I'm being the asshole who always has to have the last word when that drives me crazy. And I hate it when I see this in myself. I feel terrible. But um, I remembered also in that moment Robert D'Angelo's advice. She's like, look, you will feel terrible you will hate yourself, but it's not necessary. What is necessary is that you be coachable, that you listen. And um, you know, if my friend had the courage to disagree with me publicly and share her ideas that I didn't have access to before with me, then I should at least have the courage to try to hear that feedback and take it in. So I stopped. And I sat with what my friend was telling me, and I tried to make myself soft to it. And I saw that she was right. Deciding to take the rest of your life off to hike in the woods and get standing ovations when you go to see a Broadway show, those are decisions that tons of people don't get to make, right? They are rooted in a huge amount of privilege. And um, with all of the pain and suffering that people are going through, uh, they don't get to make that decision. They have to deal with the horrible things that are happening. They don't get to take time off. But all of that aside, I mean, whatever Hillary does, she does, right? But regardless of any of that, protecting those people who are at risk is a way more important place to spend my energy than defending or even discussing what this one rich woman is up to, right? So I was really grateful that my friend was able to share her perspective with me because it's one that I could not see from where I was sitting. And it was uncomfortable, but it didn't kill me. What it did do is it pushed my circle of care back a little bit. It's like, okay, I know you care about Hillary, great, but what about all these other people who are actually going through life-changingly horrible stuff? Do you care about them? And contemplating that question pushed me out of my complacency for a minute because um, this complacency, it, it's, a, it's a habit that we learn as privileged people. It runs very deep. Um, 
like I've been feeling pretty good this week, right? Like we've started to have some wins in this battle against authoritarianism. Uh, we had the Muslim ban pushed back. Um, we've had a lot of great things happen this week. So that means everything is fine, right? Like if I'm feeling good, if people like me are having their voices heard, everything's fine. I can, you know, just watch TV all day or whatever it is that I feel like doing. But uh, for lots of other people, everything's not fine. And I feel like a lot of our work as people with any sort of privilege is to expand our circle of care, to include those people for whom everything is not fine, to put our own less at-risk bodies on the line to protect them and to fight with and for them. And if I don't do that, then my politics are only a tiny bit better than the folks on the conservative side who want to help the people in their community who they deem deserving and no one else. So we need to fight against complacency here. And uh, to me, I think a great tool in doing that is contemplating this idea of who's inside the circle, who's outside the circle. Because, um, you know, Melissa McCarthy killing it on SNL as she is, it does not mean that we are winning. And we absolutely can't slide back into habits of only caring about ourselves and people like us. We need to keep pushing. So um, that was the first part of my political adventure this week. I traveled to a red state and then I came home and found a bit of red state inside me with my friend's help. And then I read something that pushed my circle of care back even more. Um, because, you know, I've been pretty adamant on this podcast and in my life that the only good thing to do with a Trump voter is shoot them straight into the sun. And I am not joking about it. I have no use for any of them. But then someone um, in my local Indivisible group shared that she um, had looked up the question, how do I help my friend get out of an abusive relationship with a narcissist? And she was trying to follow that advice in her conversation with Trump voters. And my mind was, my mind was blown because I think there are a lot of folks who voted for the Donald who were in this boat, including some folks that I know, because he's a master manipulator. He's um, like a master at gaslighting and making people believe shit that isn't true and repetition and all of those salesperson, uh, disgusting, oily snake oil guy tricks that we talked about back on the Big Daddy podcast a few weeks ago. He's great at all that stuff. And he got a lot of folks to vote entirely against their own interests by preying on their fear. Now, you know, some folks who voted for him are just terrible, right? Like, <laughs> but um, others really are in an abusive relationship with someone who has taken advantage of them and who continues to take advantage of them and who is hurting them and who will continue to hurt them, who will take away their health care, take away their disability, take away their ability to get through the day without um, economic destruction, without being torn apart from their family, without having to put a GoFundMe page up to pay for their million-dollar cancer treatment. So um, the advice that this woman shared was that when you have a friend in this situation, don't blame them. Don't blow up at them for getting themselves into this dark place. Remind them that you're there for them and help them remember their strength. 
And um, while you're doing this, take a stand against their abuser and the abuse, but take a stand for them. And um, it, it all rings true to me, this advice, because I've been through this a couple of times with people I loved who are dating awful, awful dudes. And you wish you could pop open their brain and like rearrange a couple of wires and get them to see what's happening to them, what is being done to them and, and how they're participating in their own destruction. But that's not how it works, right? People need to come to their own conclusions and make their own decisions. So being there for them and reminding them of their strength and holding the line that what's happening to them is not okay, but you still love them and support them are all ways of helping them reach the conclusion to leave the abuser behind. And it doesn't always work. A lot of people stay in abusive relationships forever, which is a, a tragedy, but sometimes it does work. So um, yeah, thinking about at least some of the folks who voted for the Donald in this way is helping me widen my circle of care to include them a little more too. Because what's being done to them isn't right. And they don't need to participate in it anymore. But if all I'm doing is standing there screaming at them about what a fucking racist moron they are, well, that's not going to help them see that in any way. And sure, some of them are morons, right? And they're all racist and sexist. But um, everyone who was raised in this culture has some measure of racism and sexism in them. And none of us develop past that without someone offering us understanding and trying to educate us. So, um, yeah, those were my two adventures with, uh, with thinking about who I care about and who I don't, right? Um, in one case, I was uh, helped to see where I could expand my circle of care to, um, you know, include more vulnerable people. And in another case, um, to include people that I've just totally willfully dismissed because I hate what they've done with their lives into our country. But um, caring, you know, caring is hard, but I think it's fundamentally what being a progressive is about. It's about widening our circles of care and making that care tangible and impactful by doing something about it, by exercising our influence right up to the edges of the influence that we have. All right, so all that being said, I want to spend a couple minutes talking about what's giving me life in this resistance because this is truly a beautiful thing that's growing up around us. Um, so the first thing is Beyonce, right? She's out there shining like a goddess of life and love amongst all this destruction. And um, last night on the Grammys, like she's never been more beautiful. And she is literally putting life force out there for women and especially black women to keep going and to be strong. And I honor that and appreciate it so much. A Tribe Called Quest and Busta Rhymes also killed it, um, standing up strong, showing us all how to stand up strong. And then on the explicitly political side, there were a bunch of videos that came out of Jason Chaffetz's town hall last week where a couple thousand people showed up to hold him to task, like, hey, why did you spend a million years investigating everything about Hillary um, when you, know, you have a clearly corrupt dude on your side of the aisle 
who is serving as president, and you haven't expressed any interest in following up on any of those uh, conflicts of interest or Russian interference or any of that stuff. And um, that was also amazing. I'll put a link or two in the show notes, but it seems to me like um, our movement is being led by moms and educators, uh, people of color, young women. It, it makes my heart beat stronger to see all of us coming together to stand up to all of this injustice. Uh, there was also um, some anti-Planned Parenthood marches last weekend. And in a lot of cities around the country, a huge turnout showed up to oppose them, to stand pro-Planned Parenthood. And I just love to see us showing up and I love to see us keep showing up because that's where our power is. We have to keep this going. Um, I saw something online this week about uh, when you're singing in a choir, which I've done in my past and also now, um, if you need to hold a note for a really long time, then you can stop and take a breath. You just need to stagger it with the people around you so you're not all taking a breath at the same time. And I really like this way of thinking about political action and resistance because we do need to rest. We do need to take care of ourselves and we also need to keep pressing. And um, doing that together is what's going to make it all work. So let's keep pushing, you guys. Let's push the culture and let's, let's, push our sh- let's push ourselves to integrate more information and listen more deeply to each other and wrap our arms around more and more of the world. Um, we've got this beautiful tornado of energy spinning up. So let's keep it going. And as always, if you want to talk to me, you can drop me a line at uh, BeLessCrazy at gmail.com or on my blog, BeLessCrazy.com. I always love hearing from you. Uh, Remember, you can also subscribe on iTunes. And um, if my podcast is helping you keep your head on straight at all, I really hope it is. Um, You can share it with your friends, leave a review, let me know what you're thinking. Most of all, keep showing up. Much love to you and stay strong.